This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Japan didn't like them in Japan, they shipped them off 
Shanghai, the yeshiva was there until the end of the war. It blossomed, actually. It was five, six years of incredible learning. And most of the first yeshivas of my generation went to Shanghai. They were all called Shanghaiers. <laughs> and um, they, they eventually became the ones who spread Torah and so on. It was an incredible skill. All right, it's something that so, there were so many call them miracles, coincidences, and so on. That's, that's a story in its own right. It's not what I wanted to speak about. But they put out, our good in America, put out uh, a CD interviewing the people that were involved. They, they, they had the foresight uh, 10 years ago, there some people live were involved. And they asked them for the story. And one of the people um, told, his name is Mr. Zupnik. He has children today who are with me together. And so on. I mean, I know exactly the person, so they interviewed him. And his thing was, he, he, he pushed the idea very much. Most people thought it was crazy. He, he pushed it. The crucial, the hardest piece of the whole puzzle was to get Japanese visas. Um, <coughs> Japan didn't, did not like strangers at all. <coughs> and so Japan had to have a consul in Vilna. A consul at Vilna was a, a consul. <coughs> that itself was an incredible hashkara because there was no reason the world, Japan and Lithuania had basically zero dollar <coughs> uh, trade. There, there was nothing. Lithuania produced nothing, Japan bought nothing, and there was no reason for it. The reason for it was because Japan and Germany were allies, and each one wanted something out of the shidduch. It wasn't a Shem Shemayim shidduch. Everybody wanted this thing. What Japan wanted out of Germany was that Germany um, fight the Russians. Japan and Russia were enemies after the Russo-Japanese War, and they wanted Russia to get a taste of Germany. They and that was Germans. That was Germany's promise. German promise. And the Japanese were not 100% sure that the Germans could be trusted, so they put a consul in Vilna. He would look at the troop movements and make sure that the Germans were keeping their in the bottom. That was the only reason there was a consul there. The Germans had reservations about the Japanese, and having a Japanese consul there wasn't a liking. So as a, um, as a courtesy to the Japanese consul, they had a, a high-ranking German Gestapo officer serve as the secretary to be helpful to their friends, the Japanese. So they needed to go to the Japanese consulate and get transit visas through Japan to go onwards towards Karasa. So they had the passports, they had the Corasso quote-unquote visa, and they needed to go there. Um, the Japanese, so he went in, and Zuckerberg's narrating, and he, and he said, the Japanese consul looked at him and he said, um, tell me why I should issue a visa to you people. And he said, 10,000 reasons went to my head, and I said, I must put the right words in my mouth, I said, to save our lives. And the consul looked at him and he said, I'm willing to do it, but I want to tell you something. I got the orders that in 48 hours I closed the concert and I'm going back. The Japanese visas were not stamped, they were hand brushed with Japanese characters. <coughs> he says, There's no way I could physically even do a fraction of what you asked. So he said, Teach me now how to do it. You know, just show me and I'll, I'll, I'll do it and I'll help you. And the Gestapo officer said, I'll help also. So he said it was the most surreal scene ever. And a Japanese consul, a yeshiva bacha, and a German staff officer sat 48 hours straight painting 
um, Japanese characters for visas. And after 48 hours, they had done, I think, 24, 2500 visas. And the consul got up and he said, the consul is now closed. I know, Shalom, Sayonara, whatever they say, goodbye. And he was getting up to leave. And <coughs> the Gestapo officer turns to him. And he says, I once met one of your people. I mean, obviously he met somebody through. That was the... And I was extremely taken by him and very impressed. And that's why I did what I did. He turned around and was it. So somewhere, he, the Gestapo officer was also risking his life. And somewhere in his interaction with Jews, he had been so impressed. It's hard to believe that he heard a, a Torah pulpit that impressed him. That, I, that's, that's hard to believe. So there was some sort of business feeling, some sort of interaction that left him so profoundly impacted that this person was willing to go out of his way to save those people. Um, that's what I heard from the person. That's what some on the scene. And I did it, you know, some, some, sim, some German merchant after 120 has gone up to Shemayim and is going to have this huge parade for him waiting. And he'd say, what, what, do, what do you want? He said, you saved Torah for Jewry. He said, you've got the wrong name. You've got you to check the papers again. I, I'm, I'm just like a cat in the firm sometimes. And I said, no, you made the impression on somebody about the integrity, honesty, whatever it was, courtesy, I don't know what it was, but the Jews, and, and, and that lasted forever. To me, that, 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 that is an incredible story. If anybody wants to see, I can, I can just, um, I can ship you out. It's, it's just something, it, it's, 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 a, it's a genuine first-person story about something that you never know the impact a person makes through being a mensch and honest and, and you know, whatever it takes to make that type of impression. That's just a, a story I wanted to introduce a bit, the topic, and so again, I, I, don't, I want to talk from a little bit of a different side. We tend to think of the quality of MS um, truth, I guess, in the big picture, and, or honesty and truth in, in dealing with other people in business as being a need for the other person. In other words, if I'm not, if I'm less than fully honest, um, then I'm stealing from the other person, cheating the other person. It's always something to do about, and that's obviously something right, and, and so on. And I'd like to look at it, examine it from a different perspective. Um, because, and, and I'll tell you why, it's, it's always beneficial when we look at what it means to us. Because at the end of the day, we do care about ourselves more than we care about somebody else. And when we recognize impact, first impact, a lot of times has it's, it's, it's a way that helps us move forward with it. Um, in the kinnis that we said, the second or third kinna goes as follows. Um, Claudius complains about how come this happened to them. Hashem says, um, did you do this and this? And did I not say in the passive, in the Torah, in, in when we read the Kosite, if you don't follow Hashem's laws, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen, all the terrible things. This, don't you recognize that this is exactly what the Pasuk says. And that's the constant flow of that kinah. We complain, <coughs> Hashem says, didn't you this? And didn't you read the Pasuk? That's the, that's the flow of the kinah. It starts, second paragraph or so, is, goes as follows. Loma Tariva life. Why are you arguing with me? Why are you complaining? Why, what why are you complaining? Hashem is telling us. You have your judges 
have perverted justice, and once Hashem saw that, his face was hidden from them. That's the way it goes. It sounds like the Pasuk is, ca- like that Kina is castigating us because of the terrible crime of perverting justice. Therefore, Hashem, as punishment, shows to hide suffering. So it's true, perversion of justice is a terrible crime, and so on. But I think there's a much deeper point being made here, because I think this serves as introduction to something else. <coughs> the, when a person, a person is blessed with sight, and when a person sees events, and his mind is supposed to put them together in a fairly straightforward <coughs> manner. Some people have shorter vision, some have longer vision. <coughs> but we should be able to put one and one together and get to two. So when a person learns to have, to see things the way he would like to see them, instead of the way they are, then he becomes blind. It says in the Pasuk, Bribery blinds the eyes of seeing people. <coughs> so, the, the, um, it, 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 so somebody once said, a great person, Ron Parkovansky, he actually was a person who worked in the war himself, the ghetto, he was from the giants of that generation. He said, it doesn't say that you're blind for that particular incident. That's obvious. That's if somebody gives me money to rule in a certain way about something, it, 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 so we, we are blind to it. He says you become blind. <coughs> the way he phrased it, as Professor is now when you walk on the street, you step on a baby and not see it. In other words, it distorts your own sense of vision, and you see things the way you would like them to be, rather than they are. If, if we think of ourselves, both our our most valued traits and our and how we describe Hashem. How do we describe Hashem at a core? Hashem will be coming up in, in not, not so far away. And we speak about Hashem with Kim Emes, with Baruch Emes Rekayim, Katol Kim Emes, you are a God who is true. In other words, truth means reality as it is. And when we speak about the core value, kindness is a value of Hashem. But truth is a core value, because if you don't have truth, then, you, you, then everything is, is not real. It's a, it's a fantasy. Maybe it is like that, maybe it's the way I see it, maybe it's the way I would like it to be, maybe it's what I want to see. So, so having things that are true means I can connect to reality. Hashem, who is reality, is certainly described as Emes is true, Hashem will keep Emes, that's how we finish our Krishna. We start by saying Hashem is one, and we finish and say, this is the Emes. And our own personal values, if somebody accuses us of all sorts of character flaws, um, we, we could live with it. Um, but if somebody tells us that you, have, you don't get it, you, you're imagining things, you, you're not seeing things right, We'll usually get very upset. There, 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 there's nothing 
that will, that will, the button that will most sensitively be pushed is when you tell somebody, you're just seeing fantasy. You're blind. Or worse than blind, you're, you're, you're got a distorted vision. The sense that we don't have a right feel for reality is, is something that is, um, it, it strikes at the heart of what we think we are and so on. So if we're asking ourselves, what is the core sense of self, is that at least I see it straight. People will admit, you know, I don't always act in, 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 in the way I should, but I understand what's like the world. I see things as they are. I've never heard a person not say anything on that. I, some people don't admit to doing the flaws, but most people will admit to not acting. But I see things straight, I know what's right. I know what to have the, the, the ability to do it. But the Torah teaches us, when we let our actions be influenced by what we would like to be true, then we learn to distort ourselves and we lose that perception. A shofar diabetikum means that bribery, it distorts, it blinds us. And worse than being blind, as Hosanna says, is to be blinded to think you can see. You know, a blind person at least says, I'm hopeless, somebody please guide me. Somebody who thinks he sees and his vision is, is off, he's got astigmatism or something, he's crooked, he, he, he doesn't think he's, 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 he's not seeing, but he's not. So, if for us to relate to Hashem, this is also critically important because our conscience be starts becoming distorted. Um, there's, there's a fascinating Gemara, the Rashi brings it. It says the, the breastplate that the Kohen Gadol wore was the famous Orbitogim, where if they needed to ask God for some important um, advice to go to battle, not go to battle, what to do. They would ask the Kongrodl, Kongrodl would stand before God, and the letters would light up. That was the one that was the most dramatic part of his um, abilities and, and his stress. So the Fadal say, why was Aaron's privilege to wear it? Why was he? Why not the prophet? Why not the king? What was it about Aaron of all Aaron's choice? So Rashi brings, when he went, <coughs> when he went, uh, when, when Hashem found Moshe and said, I would like you to be the leader of the Jewish people, Moshe said, you know, I have an older brother, he's not going to be very happy about this, he's a good person of his own right, and for me to sort of trump him and assert that it's wrong, Hashem said, if you watch, he will meet you now, and he's going to be very happy when he hears about it. And indeed, he came, and he was overjoyed that his younger brother became the leader of Israel. And Rashi says the heart that was happy with his brother's fortune <coughs> shall wear the breastplate. Now, why is one connected to the other? I mean, it's lovely when you're kind and nice and so on, but it's got very minimally, what's, what's, what's the overlap between the two? It doesn't seem to be anything. The answer is, it says the following. The Kohen God would wear it, and there were letters on it. The letters would light up. But combining the letters, the Kohen had that Ruach HaKodesh, and with his own mind, combined the letters. Because the same letters can be combined in many, many ways, and can have very different messages. So, the, the, it meant 
that he needed to have a very straight vision, not to see what he wanted to see. It's like an ink block test. We, 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 we make some abstract thing, and we see what you want to see. <coughs> in America, they know somebody once went for one of these tests, the psychologist, and he draws a line, and um, the psychologist says, what do you see? He says, um, an attractive young woman. He draws another line, something else along those lines, and he puts a dot in, she's dancing or singing, and the psychologist says, what a perverted mind, I've never met anyone like that. And he says, you sit and draw filthy pictures all day, I'm the perfect. But it says an awful lot about the Kaddish, about the, 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 the 
that he would not render a decision when he felt that he was in the picture. That's an incredible uh, story. So um, the meter of developing the meter of empathy. Now, minimally, a, a person needs to recognize that I can't make an undecision. We're not, I mean, we're talking about a meter here that is an incredible meter. We're talking about something <coughs> that is really beyond us in a sense. Um, you're talking about meters MS, which is Hashem's core meter. We're talking about MS, which is a great meter. But a person needs, at, at least a person needs to understand, A, that when a person acts with integrity, he's building his own relationship with Hashem. Not only because it's mitzvah there, but somebody who doesn't... Emes is, is, is the root of everything. And my relationship with Akash is also skewed because I don't see anything from the other side. I see it also my side. So understanding that when we, when we work hard at doing things that are right, that in that world of me versus somebody else, I'm, 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 I'm creating a person that can relate to Hashem much better. Forget about other people, but but Hashem. Secondly, um, it's something that is. I mean, at Barbaron Javero, one of um, my brother-in-law is, is a grandson of Mashkir Mishir Yuchum. He was a legendary Mashkir Mishir. He's a giant of a person, and he told me that somebody was appointed the Gabbai of Yeshiva. Yeshiva had 400 people. Most of them were older. Everybody was very sensitive in Europe about standing and so on. And this person was dead scared to take it on. I gave this person an honor, and this person an honor, that person, the other person. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's a beehive, it's a hornet's nest. It's, it's, it's whatever you do, you always. So he told me, I don't want the job because I'm scared that I'll get people upset at me, and so on and so forth. But Ruchum told him, if you're able to take yourself out of the equation, even if you do something wrong, people will not be upset with you. If you put yourself in the equation, even if you do right, people will be upset with you. In other words, people feel instinctively how much of the other person's interaction with me a real judgment call, and you know, people can make mistakes, but at the end of the day, he hasn't projected his own sense of things and, and, and desires offensively, or how much is it, is it a, you know, kind of uh, what he would like to see or would like to do. And, and that's core of, you know, making relationships better or worse. It's it's something that allows us to become a person that we can be proud of. That I see things right. E- you know, even w- when sometimes we have to ask a Shaila, in, in, in we have to get this idea. When we ask a Shaila in Kashrus, it's because we're ignorant. If we know the halacha, we can ask ourselves. When it comes to areas that might affect something that I have, don't have, business, or you know, why not? The halakha is I need to ask somebody because I can't. The Torah says I don't see it right. And at least if we understand that. When it says, you know, I'm involved in this, I need to recuse myself. I need to ask somebody. I need to run it by somebody else to see it if I'm not making a mistake. And because I can't trust myself. Learning, if, if, even if a person has that sensitivity, that's, that's enough. I want to finish with a story, um, also which, which which reflects on the, um, the the interface between this these activities and relationship with Baruch and so on. So, um, 
I had a friend of mine, friends of mine, and when we went out to Israel, the, um, the economy was very, very socialist, very protective, extraordinary high tariffs for any, for any um, imports. And then there was 1970 when I came, that was, so many people, um, <coughs> shall I say, supplemented their income by doing <coughs> things through the um, customs that maybe customs wouldn't have been kind of what we knew about. So, you know, they would, they, I, I know Africa is supposed to understate, right? South Africa is understate. Basically, that they would slap a heavy fine if they found out about it. And um, so, you know, so, so, you know, people would bring in stuff and so on and so forth. Some people just, you know, you, and when you came in yourself, you brought in some, some charges and so on. And some people were able to sort of make a business out of it. So, uh, Yungaman Yeshiva went to about Hasko Brownstein. Hasko Brownstein was <coughs> the big one of that generation. He passed away in the 70s. He was a Congo Kainriska. He was an extremely astute person, regal. Everything about him was like novels, extraordinary person. He lived, he was a dying in London during the war years, and, um, and then lived in Israel afterwards and died in the 70s. I'd seen my once heard a share from him. So my acquaintance went to ask him about Shaila. He said he would like to see him learn. He can manage and be import all sorts of chapters. Found a way to, to get by, and, and you know, the, the, the difference was great because the, 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 the tax, the input tax was incredible. So, Rakhatska Ramsky looked at him and he said, It is prohibited to do so because of diddle Torah, because you won't be able to learn. So, his person thought that Ramsky is a bit, uh, in, you know, in, I don't know what the language they call it here. And he says, No, the Rob doesn't understand. I'm not going to be spending time on this, it's the other way around. I will be doing this so that I have all the time to so learn. This just takes up some small time, so and it's impassive. Finally, the third time he pressed, Ramsky said, a person who deals dishonestly perverts his brain. And a perverted brain can't understand Torah the way a straight rod won't fit into a crooked face. So he said, you learn how to be devious. Your mind doesn't think of what's right but of what works. And that can't understand Torah for shows what's right, not only what works. So, you know, I, I, again, I, I feel like this, this person who's never been in the trenches preaching to people who really struggle with it. And, and I know that South Africa today is not, you know, the United States is a minimal sense of where things are fair and normal, so on. And I know South Africa's going through a tough time, but not, you know, not uh, for me to um, talk about it. But at least if we have a sense that the music of Emmis stretches far beyond just the the the, the monetary part of it, possible stealing part of it, but it also it, it goes to the heart of one's personality and one's person. <coughs> the the meat of Emmis should be the core Emmis that we go every now. If it's not Emmis, then then it's a fantasy. It, it, you know, if I ask somebody, if I see some impressive building, I say, what it is? If the person says it's paper mache, it's a, it's a set for a movie, that answers the question, that it's irrelevant what it is. It isn't. So, so all, all things have to start by being emmets. And our perception of what's right and wrong is the basis of that. Um, so it, it, as much effort as we put in, and minimally, at least if we're aware, at least if we're aware that I am making decisions now. I need to be sure that it's right because I'm invested heavily. Um, even, even without asking, just on 
having the self-awareness that whatever person is invested and he might see things where he might be sitting rather than where they are is already a very positive step forward. Certainly if we learn to run it by somebody who, who's got a, a sort of a straight sense of things and you can sort of run by asking, does that sound right to you or not? Certainly somebody that can pass on love it's controlled in my love realm. And those are things that build that enemy. And when a person has enemies in himself, then his relationship with God is real, and that's what people is real. That's something she's talking about.
Mm -hmm. It was, you see, it was very kind of hot sky, very cold, very cold. When I came, it was rough. There was no heating in the but so kind of cooling wasn't even a fantasy, but the whole heating was ice cold the winter, and food was very sparse. It was, uh, it was you know, but that was the only way it was. Everything was kind of extremely um, minimal. But, um, so, so my father-in-law, but my father spent a lot of time making halakh decisions about the money in Yeshiva. He had a lot of things that he was very, very um, concerned about. And one of those things was interest. My father-in-law was extremely averse to any leniencies in the, in the, in the world of riches, of interest. Um, so, especially Yeshiva, because when you're dealing with business, I have to ask it's meaningful. It's a business deal. I need, what am I going to do with, with the million dollars? I'm, I'm going to buy up this building. So it's a business deal instead of, instead of a, a variable rate of you profit. It, it makes a lot more sense. Yeshiva's borrowing time based on the borrowing money. And my father did not took up, so he never, he never paid interest. So, he, he, so two examples of, of, of his honesty, and this is, I found out as I, when I became a son-in-law, something I couldn't realize because it was a very hidden person. The dollar in those days was, Either the dollar or the pound was not stable. Depends how you want to describe it. <laughs> Every day, the, 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 the dollar was worth more and more um, pounds. That's, that's how it was. So, like people would say, it's not clear which currency is unstable. One of the two is not stable. Because every day, so my father would get most of the money for the yeshiva in um, dollars, obviously. If he would cash it prematurely, then he would be causing yeshiva loss because uh, because for the thousand dollars he'd be getting uh, two thousand shkolim instead of two thousand twenty five shkolim whatever. So to cash money early was a problem. If you gave a check and cleared the bank and you didn't have money there, you paid interest on it. My father would not pay interest because that's a, a problem. In Chutzlar, we have Croatia banks. It's not a problem. And at the school where everything's Jew, 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 it's a problem. In Jew, so yes, there was a head disk, it's not a head disk, but at the end of the day, he was very mocked on that. So what he did was, the yeshiva gave out checks to suppliers, to, to, to work there, but no, not everybody cashed it immediately. Every morning, so he had to deal with the bank because their account was big, that went as follows. Every morning at 9 o'clock, or 8.30, or back on the he would call up, and they would tell him which checks to live and how much it's for. So let's say last night 300,000 shekel of lira, those days of checks came in. He would cash that amount of dollars, he would walk up the hill, the bank was quite a walk up the hill over the side over there, and the deal was that if by 10 o'clock he deposited the cash, they would not charge him um, interest. It would be kind of as if he had deposited beforehand. And that was the deal I'd work at that. But this was every single day, whether he was well, whether he was sick, he didn't trust other people with the money, he was very wary of, of, of yeshiva money, and he had pneumonia. He would walk up there and cash it, and you know, cash the money by a certain place, and and and, and you know, that was one. A second place, a second time when he was, that I, again that I know, of, I'm sure there many more times. The the government, that was the government, but one of the agencies had offered the yeshiva magnificent <coughs> that was not linked to the cost of living. And it had an interest rate of, let's say, well, I was throwing out like 10%, 15%, and the cost of living was, was 25% over a year, or more. So basically, not only was it a free loan, 
You, you were getting money in a sense. But the, it was a loan. It was dressed up as a loan. The yeshiva needed to build another floor desperately. And my father thought about it. And he said, and he decided that you can take it. Based on the fact that an institution, taking money, borrowing from an institution in, in Hilda's Ribbis might even be permissible. Secondly, the fact that basically the, 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 you really pay back less than you got. It's hard to call it interest where the real value of it is 25% less at the end of the year. You're, you're getting 10% nominal, you know, over value. See, he decided to take it. He decided and he went, took a care down to Tel Aviv with his daughter, who was like the secretary of Shiva, to get the loan. In the middle of the way, my father said, No, I thought it over again and again. I think I've been blinded. I don't think it's right to take it. And he ordered the care, make a U turn, went back to Shine, called him up and said, He's not he's canceling out, he's not taking the loan, and wouldn't take it. It takes a tremendous amount of the strength to do that. But it was more than that. It was it was this like we spoke about. The understanding that I can't trust myself to make decisions. I don't just and, and my father-in-law it, it, my father, anytime he had a run-in with somebody, a son of him, he would be extraordinarily over-careful, more the reason that we spoke about because he felt that any type of negative reaction on his part is probably because he's seeing it from his personal vantage point instead of objectively had to see. That, those are just two of, it, I guess, stories that would dovetail with this. So I, I, could, I guess that was the, and I spent 25 years there, Every day was a special day, and um, you know it's, it's something that um, left an indelible impression. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 uh,